This is WJR's Business Biography. Now here's your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. As a result of ambition, vision, along with working hard and working smart, what started as many of America's greatest companies do, rather simply as a family-owned business, in this case, a corner gas station, has today become one of Michigan's finest in its field and which has expanded to include multiple complementary business units. And that family-owned corner station? Well, today it's still owned and operated by the same family and the same company under which it was founded. Our featured story today starts when Bernie Corrigan, after just serving his country in the Korean War, returned to the area and in 1958 opened that corner gas station on Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. And the company that grew from his original single station, Corrigan Oil Company, today led by Bernie's two sons, Tim and Mike, continues to thrive and grow. The two brothers now oversee Corrigan Oil's 12 such gas stations and convenience stores in Michigan and Ohio, as well as multiple other Corrigan business units, including towing, construction, and environmental services, among others. How did it happen? Well, today on Business Biography, we're featuring the amazing story of how the Corrigan family achieved their version of the American dream, as told by our guest, Tim Corrigan. Tim, welcome. This is one of those inspirational stories that is at the same time relatable and very informative. It's a success story largely built on the fundamentals of hard work and always putting the customer first. Let's start by learning more about you, Tim. Tell us about your earliest memories of the family business and how and when you first became involved. Well, you know, my entry into the business was really at a fairly young age. It was probably, I'll go back to around 1972. I was about eight years old. And I remember I had a work shirt that my grandmother had bought me with a Sunoco patch on it. And I was down you know, kind of sweeping floors and maybe getting in the way at my dad's a three-bay gas station in downtown Brighton. And uh, I still have that shirt, and I have some paint stains on it. So somewhere along the way, I must have gotten uh, involved in doing some of that. But that that's some of my earliest memories of being directly involved. The gas station was a full-service, you know, the old ding-ding bell, washing windows and pumping gas. And uh, that's what I grew up doing and, and started, uh, you know, at that age along uh, with my brother Mike. That Sunoco shirt, now replaced with a suit and tie, but nevertheless, at the core of all of Corrigan Oil's success is a work ethic instilled by Bernie Corrigan, Tim's father, Bernie Corrigan, who worked up until the day he passed away. Bernie made his presence known at the business, starting bright and early every morning and putting in a full day, and no doubt led his team and his sons by example. Tim, your father did lead by example. He was a hardworking, hard-charging guy who was at the same time both great with his customers, very personable, but at the same time with his team, very demanding, and he held everyone to a really high standard. He did indeed. There is a little further background on that. Uh, my, my dad came from Dearborn, as where he was born and raised, and his dad, my grandfather, was uh, in the ice and coal business. He started out back in the 20s delivering ice and coal. He and uh, my grandpa was Fred Corrigan. He and his brother Frank were uh, in the moving business in the 30s during the Depression. In fact, his brother Frank was a part-time chauffeur for Henry Ford as well. And in later years, they continued on in the moving business. And my grandfather, as refrigerators were 
you know, in, or invented or came more into play. Fuel oil furnaces started uh, delivering heating oil in the Dearborn area until the early 70s. So my dad kind of branched out in the late 50s, you know, when he uh, came to Brighton, bought that station. It was the same year that he married my mother. And uh, another kind of interesting tidbit there is there was a Chevrolet dealer right across the street from our uh, gas station there. And my dad traded my mom's car for a tow truck as soon as they were married and then gave her his car and went on. So we uh, still are in the towing business today, but the, the joke back then was that my mom always said that was her truck. Well, as the old adage says, behind every successful good man is a great woman, and no doubt in this case, a great woman with a car that can be traded for the business's first tow truck. That would definitely be the, the, the case for sure, and she never let him forget it. Yeah, I'll bet. Tim, when your dad started the station, was he the type of entrepreneur with a big vision, lots of ambition, or was this gas station just the first step along the way to bigger things he wanted to pursue? Or was the opening of this first station the vision? I mean, obviously the company has grown way beyond that first station under his and ultimately yours and your brother's leadership, but was that growth more organic in nature or was it part of a broader vision and plan started by your dad? When my dad came out, he certainly had the impression of bringing Corrigan oil. That's what he started with because he came out and started fuel oil routes out in the Brighton area and kind of just continued on with the same business, the background that he had being brought up, you know, in my grandfather's business down in Dearborn. So it certainly started out as intended back then. You know, heating oil was it was really a big commodity that was in the, the areas where we were, which was considered quite rural back then. And so there was plenty of business out there, and there was probably about, oh, I'd say four other distributors right in Brighton at the time. I mean, now there's just us, but back then, heating oil was really, there was a lot of routes and things you could do. He had that along with the gas station where he still had, he always diversified because he had, you know, the repairs and such in there. He certainly had the full service station. And he also rented U-Haul trucks and trailers and such. So he kind of diversified, kind of knew that's where he wanted to be and the type of business he wanted to be in. And tell us, Tim, I get the sense that the business was more than just a way to earn a living for your dad, for you, your family. I get the sense that it was really part of your family's DNA, including yours and your brother's. Well, I'll tell you, myself, as well as my brother, too, we both had a passion for the business, and we enjoyed it. We liked being there. It, it was really it was a great upbringing. That's where I spent most of the majority of my time growing up. However, it was, it was never an expectation or a pressure from my father that, hey, you guys are going to be in this business and this is going to go on or whatever. It was always a choice. And he had encouraged us, you know, to go to school and uh, also, you know, see if there's anything else that may have been a point of interest. And it was never, absolutely never was a forced thing, never was an expected thing. However, I think he was quite pleased that that's the path we took. Often when a father starts a business, a next generation of family leaders of that business want to put their own individual stamp on it by expanding it. For you, when you elevated from working for your father, Tim, to more of a leadership role, did you and your brother have a grand vision for the business to where you wanted to take it? Or was it more about maintaining what your father had started? I would say that that's absolutely true. Um, I, I'd like to sit here and tell you that there was this well-drawn-out path that we were going to do. And quite frankly, it was, it was a matter of seizing opportunities as they came. We were brought up with hard work ethic and ambition. And when opportunities arose, we took advantage of them. And we always had the full support of my father. 
I always use the analogy that he threw us the football and let us run with it. But we were right there along with him putting the bricks in the wall from a very young age forward. And uh, certainly I think it, you know, expanded beyond certainly his expectations. And I would say even some of my own. So I have to ask you, Tim, given your passion for the business, was it for you always pursuing a future in the family business and Corrigan Oil all the way without ever looking right or left at other options? The only job I ever had. We started out doing that, and the only place I ever worked was within the business. And uh, just never had a desire to do anything different. It was just it was where I wanted to be. Let's talk about, I mentioned the family name is on the business. As you went about your early life as a young man, did you feel an extra sense of pride and purpose and place within your community as a result of that family brand being right there? And of course, things like fuel oil, heating oil, being so critical to people's lives. Did you feel an extra sense of pride as a result of that? Certainly, it was a sense of pride and I think a sense of responsibility and duty to represent that name correctly, you know, to stand for the ethics and the hardworking background that we came from. So I think the pride really resumed more from that type of setting, to, to see that, to want to make sure we lived up to what that meant. A business supporting a family, providing essential products and services to the community, instilling work ethics and strong values to his sons, the two brothers who ultimately would take over and lead the business, and which has grown substantially beyond the single gas station its founder, Bernie Corrigan, started back in 1958. Today we're featuring the story of Corrigan Oil, as told by a member of that second generation of the Corrigan family, Vice President Tim Corrigan. We'll be back with more right after the break, right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography, today featuring the story of how humble beginnings can lead to, well, one of those good old American success stories of how to build a small business into a significant one by hard work, discipline, and dedication. Such is the story of Corrigan Oil Company, as told today by second-generation family member and current company co-leader, Tim Corrigan. Tim, paint the picture for us of what a day in the life back then for you, your parents might have been operating this business. What was it like? You know, for those of us who don't know the business, for you, it's just the way life is. For those of us who have never been in this business, certainly back then, we have really no direct understanding. Tell us, what was a day like there? What were you doing? Well, a typical day back then would have been we, we got up, went in, we'd open the station. You sit there, we used to have some hand carts, some U-Haul rental hand carts. You'd put those out front. You had your display, your windshield, washer, cabinet, you know, with your wiper blades and all that type of thing there to get the place ready to go. You would sit there and then you'd be, you know, certainly to pump gas. You were, you were up front there between ants and the phone doing that. Maybe renting a U-Haul truck in between this and that. Anybody who was anybody used to come into my dad's gas station back then. I used to kind of kid a little bit that it was kind of that I thought it was the headquarters for Livingston County Republican Party back then because anyone that was doing anything knew my dad and came in there. So the typical day was a lot of interaction with a lot of the, the locals, a lot of local characters. And then certainly in between that is we had different help to cover the front. I might be out running a fuel oil route or whatever it took to get things done. And under his watch, how did the company evolve before you and your brother took it over? 
I would say that, you know, in, in my for my dad's career span, when, you know, he was solely at, at the helm, if you will, he had the one main location is what he operated. He owned a couple others that he leased out and did some things with. And at the time, he probably had, you know, eight to 10 employees back in those days. And just by comparison today, we're over 800. And the division of focus and division of labor, if you will, between you, your brother, and your dad at that time was was what? How'd that break down? Well, my dad certainly was was overseeing, um, you know, the, the a lot of the day-to-day activities. You know, my brother had his segment of the business. He he pushed the towing side a lot. Um, I In those days, I ran the fuel routes a lot. I was in the office a, a bit more and doing that type of thing, you know, back then, you know, in conjunction with my dad and other help that we had. Was this the kind of business where you knew people by first name, was this the kind of business that was mostly people you you know each day brought a new set of customers or, or was it a familiar customer base to you largely? In the earlier days there and when I was growing up and whatnot, it was very much familiar base. There was a lot of people from around town that we seen on a regular basis. Certainly there was new faces you expanded out, but as far as the town proper, if you will, you know, the local businesses and businessmen and, and you know, politicians and so on and so forth that, that we would see. And as I refer to a lot of the local characters that hung out there, it was a lot of familiar faces. And uh, I got to know anybody and everybody who was in town back then as a young man, I had the privilege and the fortune of knowing. As you watched your dad run the business, did you think to yourself, that guy's a great entrepreneur, like he's a great business owner? Was he uniquely qualified and capable as a business owner? And did you look up to him in that respect? I absolutely did. My dad was an extremely entrepreneurial, a shrewd, smart businessman, hardworking. I can tell you, he worked hard. He was a hard-headed old Irishman, too. He expected those around him to work equally as hard. And if you weren't, whether you were his son or another employee, he had no problem making sure you were corrected in a fashion only he could do. When you were at work, you were an employee, not a son, right? It was very much so. Yeah, I, I can picture it. I can, I can get kind of get the sense of how it was. And then as you and your brother started to grow within the business, gain confidence, gain experience, et cetera, did your roles change at all? And if so, how? What was your path? I would say my path and our, our roles certainly did change as we, you know, continue to expand and get into different things. A lot of my path was we do a lot of where we supply numerous stations as sea stores with fuel. We're branded with Sunoco, BP, Marathon, and uh, Sitco. So a lot of my role was working with what we'd call the dealer base going into there and, you know, in the office doing a lot of stuff as far as helping with collections and the bills and, you know, overall uh, day-to-day office activities. My brother, he was out in front a lot doing a lot of the recruitment for our employee base and working with the drivers. And we certainly have a construction aspect of the business that he was very instrumental in a lot of that and really doing a lot of that type of thing. Tim, and then your dad, working literally right up until the last day of his life, passed away at 83 years of age, suddenly, and the business then transitioned to you and your brother to lead. Tough enough losing your dad, but you guys also had to focus on keeping the family business going. And given that he just seemed to always be there right up until the last day, did you feel prepared for this transition in life and career? I always said he was in basically pretty decent health other than your typical old guy stuff that he dealt with, but there was no pending, you know, gee, this is coming or whatever. So it it was sudden and, 
And it was a shock. There's no question about it. I mean, I'm very thankful that he had a, you know, a longer life at 83. You know, certainly would still like him to be here today. But by the same token, you know, he had a good run and did it his way. But as far as actually a lot of the day-to-day operations and, and how things were being done, that had transitioned to my brother and I many years ago. My dad was still working with us every day, but we were definitely doing a lot of the day-to-day stuff. And so tell me about how you and your brother divide the leadership roles and kind of the org chart, if you will. My brother's the president, I'm the vice president, and uh, he and I come together on all the major decisions within the company, and then we have our daily roles where we do different things based upon our skills and desires of where we want to be within the business. I guess what I would say, you know, we're partners, but certainly we have a pecking order, and I'm the second in command, and, and we work together to make the decisions. We've enjoyed a a very good working relationship, and I couldn't ask for a better partner in that regard, and and we've done many, many things together. And so today, the business has grown up and kind of looks like what? What's the main focus of the business? How is it different? How is it similar? Well, it's similar from the standpoint, of course, obviously heating oil has phased out quite a bit from, you know, back in the day what we cut our teeth on, but we're into many other lines now. We're in the propane business, certainly in our towing business has expanded from just your typical running around town, picking a car or two up to everything from hauling heavy equipment to responding to accidents in the surrounding area to, to specialty hauling and, and many things. So that that's expanded a lot. Propane, as I say, was something we've gotten into probably about the last 10, 15 years that we've been really expanding in that. Certainly the dealer business, as I refer to it, where we are supplying many stations has continued to expand. We've gotten into dust control and we do DEF fluid, just about anything fuel related you can get. We also have been starting to push more into mechanical services to be able to better serve our customer base. And there's a broad listing of companies here now under your management and under your ownership. Are these different companies, like for example, Corrigan Towing, separate from Corrigan Construction? They would still be under the one major umbrella, but they all are separate entities as far as in the day-to-day function. So what does Corrigan Construction do? We do certainly a lot of our own stuff for anything that we want from a building perspective. We still run uh, some convenience stores ourselves, so if we need to build a building and something, we have the ability to do that. We do some outside work as well. We're selective for what we want to do and where we want to do it. And also help, uh, we do things from remodeling to help a customer in a store to being able to put up a facility for them or someone's looking for commercial building and that type of thing. We certainly can bid on that and do those types of things. So it's a full-fledged construction company. Corrigan Environmental Solutions. That would be one where we do a lot of our uh, dust control and that types of thing, you know, where we have some of our brine wells and that we do. Also in that division two is another part called technical environmental services that ties in with that, where we can do tank poles. In other words, if we had a tank in the ground and that needed to be removed, we can do that. If there's remediation of the hauls contaminated soils, we certainly can go in and we have, you know, vac trucks and such. If we have to clean tanks or do various things with, from a car wash pit to a fuel tank or whatever. So various things that need to be done on the environmental end of the business. Corrigan Oil, at this point in its evolution, transitioned to sons Michael and Tim to operate and to lead into the future. And under their leadership, the business expands and grows. What does the business look like today? Tim Corrigan will tell us right after this break here on Business Biography. 
Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Slow. Welcome back. Today, we're featuring the story of Corrigan Oil on Business Biography, a great American success story by which we can all be inspired and from which we can be reminded just what a little good old hard work can lead to. Picking up now on our story with our guest, Bernie Corrigan's son and current vice president of Corrigan Oil, Tim Corrigan. Tim, tell us about the business today. Kind of highlight for us, if you will, how the business has expanded and grown. Right now, today, we have a little over 800 employees. We probably travel 20 million fleet miles a year. We have offices in three different states. We probably do some type of service in about 20 states of various things. So certainly from back at a three-bay gas station on a corner in downtown Brighton, Michigan, it's expanded quite a bit. We still own and operate about 10 convenience stores today. We certainly would still look to expand more if we find, you know, the right location that we think is fit for the long haul. We'd still look to do more of that as well. You know, it's interesting, some of that you mentioned convenient, you, you call them convenience stores. I call them gas stations. You know, it used to be that they were gas stations with a little rack in front of the checkout with maybe some gum and candy, whatever it may be. And now it's a convenience store with some gas pumps out in front, right? Very much so. The backcourt, as we refer to it, has become ever more important, particularly as we start to see the evolution into some alternatives and such. Your backcourt, your store becomes that much more critical to make sure that you're paying attention to it, that it's clean, it's organized, it's neat, it's somewhere that, you know, your wife wants to go in to use a restroom and has a much broader offering than what the store of the past had. One thing about the fuel industry, whatever, it's ever-evolving and you have to be ready for what's coming next. Right now, as like you've pointed out, you saw the transition from full-serve to self-serve. You've seen where you had, like you said, maybe a couple packs of Twinkies on the rack to, hey, you can go in now and you know almost do some of your shopping and get a sandwich to go or whatever that may be. I mean, certainly electric vehicles and everything are all abuzz in our industry today. Take a minute on alternatives just to kind of tell you what, since our mainstay, what our maybe our take is on that a little bit. I've had people ask me that, hey, with electric vehicles coming and all these types of things that will impede on your business, are you concerned about what you're going to do, what's going to be next? Certainly fossil fuels is a major component of what we do. And my answer to that is I go back to the humble beginnings of my grandfather. He started out delivering ice and coal. If he hadn't evolved into the fuel oil, you know, to deliver the fuel, heating oil and such along the way, my dad going from the full-serve station to the self-serve, we wouldn't be here today. So we are also looking to evolve. We are involved in that space. And as the electric vehicles and things come into play, we will adapt as it's appropriate to where to have those types of charging stations, where they make sense and where they don't. And there will be a certain type of location that won't be conducive to that when it comes in in a major way. But there'll be other ones that are, and that's where you have to kind of reset what you're doing and look at it and make sure you're getting fit for the future. I'm hoping that while I do think it's a good thing there's a big place for it, you know, when things are mandated and subsidized into existence, it doesn't always come the best way. So I'm hoping some of that gets rounded out a little bit because I do think it should be a multi-pronged approach. But where we are right now today, we certainly have to look to take advantage of where you can get help and subsidy to put charging stations in and make sure that that makes sense for us or for our dealers or whatever customers 
that we may be dealing with in that, and we are also able to install and service those, and that's just another part of the business we're trying to evolve into. Yeah, and I think you're using the word evolve and using it appropriately. It's an evolutionary process, and you mentioned any good entrepreneur is able to see the changes coming and find opportunity in those changes and keeping pace. Is there a breadwinning business in the group that really drives the majority of the revenue, or is it pretty evenly driven? Well, I guess I would sit here and say that the theory is with having multiple things going on when one's maybe not hitting on all eight and another one is, and all of them have a turn at doing that. And I would say that we give everything equal attention and continue to take advantage of the growth in the areas that are best suited for us. Here you're growing up in the Motor City. You're in a business that serves customers who own and operate vehicles and other things, of course, much broader than that. But at the heart of it, at the founding stage of it, do you feel a, an extra sense of pride about or an interest in the automotive industry and automobiles in general as a result of serving that industry? Oh, there's no question. I'm probably somewhat of a car crazy guy, and I'm one that likes all original, though. If it's an old vehicle, I don't like them hopped up. I like original, and certainly vehicles or cars have always been of major interest for many, many years. I mean, you know, unlike, I think today, there's a lot of uh, kids today that aren't even all that excited about getting their license. Well, we were was real excited about getting that. That was our, our road to freedom, so to speak. But yeah, very much so. I mean, cars have a major interest. A real hallmark of most successful entrepreneurs is that out of gratitude for the community that contributed to his or her success, those entrepreneurs want to give back in various ways. Tim, I know you're very dedicated to giving back to the community around you. You're thankful, you're appreciative, and you love the community in which you live. Tell us about some of the various things that you're passionate about and the ways in which you are actively giving back to your community. Well, certainly, aside from the business, which takes up a vast majority of time, I've uh, been involved in other community activities primarily, some stuff with the Boy Scouts. All right, let me stop you there for a second, though, Tim. You mentioned the Boy Scouts. Tell me about your involvement there and how you got involved with that organization. Well, at one time, I certainly was helping with a lot of the uh, recruitment of people that helped to fill the different seats of the various divisions that they have in there. Did that for a few years. I was their citizen of the year a couple years back, which was really an honor. And one of the goals was when they're raising a couple bucks here and there for maybe some people that aren't as fortunate to be able to afford maybe different things they're doing to try to contribute to that type of thing. And just to have another outlet for our youth of today where a lot of it's video games and your phones and this and that, but there's still a very hands-on approach to the many things that the Boy Scouts do. And if you really look at a lot of our people that have advanced politically and, and in the business world and whatnot, a lot of them have our Eagle Scouts or have that type of background. And that's not where it stops for you, Tim. I know you're involved in a lot of other things as well. Certainly uh, with the Livingston County Community Foundation, also involved in some of the oil company boards and such for that represent distributors. Right now I'm on one for BP, it's referred to as BPAMA, of which I, I chair at the present time. And then certainly I'm on uh, the community bank board for Bank of Ann Arbor that had taken over uh, First National here about a year or so ago, and I'm on the, one of the community directors for that. I was on that board before. 
And then probably one of the bigger roles I have would be with the Brighton Downtown Development Authority, which I'm currently chairman of. And right now in the community, one of the big things we have going on is we are redoing our main street, redoing the streetscape. We're replacing a 100-year-old water main along with going through and redoing our, our sidewalks to make sure we're ADA compliant. It's a very exciting project. We're going to have a nice mill pond park there with a fire pit and some areas that people will very much enjoy in addition to all the other amenities we already have with our tridge and such. And that has been a major undertaking for the city. The DDA board, in conjunction with city council, along with the local merchants and public, have all had input into helping us put this together. And it is going to run from this spring until probably be done right around November. And I would just want to encourage anyone, everyone who's listening today, you know, please come to Brighton. We are open for business. Everyone is there. There is a little bit of disruption. However, uh, there is still parking available. And we have everything from our restaurants like LR Bowl and Genopolis to our many shops and, and merchants along uh, the street there with anything you can think of. We're open for business and, and we would certainly would encourage everyone to be down there to, you know, come to London Beauty, come to Cooper Binkley Jewelry, you know, anything we have, we're open and we would like to see everyone there. As you've said in our interview and as I've underscored, Tim, you love where you're from. You really appreciate the city in which you grew up, where you still have a strong business interest, that being the city of Brighton really where all of the success story we're featuring today on Business Biography began. And now you find yourself in a role that is entrusted with enhancing, beautifying, and just from an overall standpoint, improving the city of Brighton for both the local merchants in town, as well as for the local residents and those who visit to enjoy. I'm sure a lot of people also feel strongly about where they live, but here you've now taken on this formal role I'm sure a lot of people are curious about how you make your way to a position of leadership like that. Well, actually, you're appointed by city council to be on the DDA, and I guess I was approached some 15 years ago or so and have remained on and and have uh, certainly, I guess, maintained the confidence of city council to reappoint me and have enjoyed being involved. And, and it is primarily in an effort to just try to give back and make sure there's some good things happening in our community and to support all of our merchants and, and folks that put so much into it to make things happen. Yeah, it's a great source of pride. It's also, a, for a lot of people, part of their identity. You know, when you get asked who you are, one of the obvious questions is, where are you from? And clearly you take a lot of pride in the Brighton community. I absolutely do. And, and I just can't emphasize enough of, you know, what a very inviting, warm community that we have to live, to work, and to play in. And again, just to walk down our main street from two Danny Lyons bookstore, there could be someone reading a book in the window, you know, to walk into Brighton Bar and Grill or Chow Michis or any of the many restaurants we have along there, and you're done, you can take a walk along the Tridge. And we're getting more and more residents living in town, and certainly development continues. While there's still a small town feel, but certainly it has grown a lot from what I grew up in. But again, it still has been kept I think very, very nice, but still has a lot of that aspect to it. And it's a great place to be. The last thing I would say is that, again, I've really felt that it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to work and serve on the boards and such in the community with the other business owners and, and such that, that I get to work with down there. It's no different than the business that I'm in. It is truly a team effort 
I just can't emphasize it takes a lot of good minds working on things to make it happen. And fortunately, in the city of Brighton, from our DDA board to our council, and more importantly, to our city staff, I can't compliment them enough from our Department of Public Works to our local police department to those in City Hall, how hard they work and what you know they give and do for our city day in and day out. Going from one who benefited from the members of his community to one who now contributes to the vision for his community's future. Tim Corrigan is giving back in ways that underscore his love and appreciation for the city of Brighton, the place where this great American family success story all started and continues to this day. We'll be right back with Tim Corrigan telling more of the story of Corrigan Oil right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography, today featuring the story of Corrigan Oil Company with our guest today, Tim Corrigan, Vice President, son of founder and his father, Bernie Corrigan, starting the company in 1958, ultimately having his sons, Tim and Mike, take over the reins of the leadership of the company, a company that has achieved great success for the Corrigan family. But more than that, one that has fostered a second generation of Corrigans who now make it a focus to give back to their community, take care of the customers who rely on the products and services they sell, and on top of it, family men who love their communities and their families as well. You have a family, Tim. Tell us about your family. I do. I have. Uh, I married my wife, Janine, and I have a son, Tommy, and my daughter, Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey is a second grade school teacher in Brighton at the school that she attended, Hilton Elementary. And my son is uh, presently working for a place called Marketplace Homes down in the Plymouth area. And one day I hope that he makes the decision to join the business, but that will be his decision when he makes it. And uh, also I want to make sure I mention that my daughter has her dog Jolene and my dog Lily, because if I don't do that, I'm going to hear it at home. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Hey, listen, that's important for sure. Part of the family, right? Yeah, well, they are. Yeah, yeah very, very much so. We are dog people. You mentioned your son is not, your daughter's not with the company. Are your brother's kids, uh, assuming he has yes, children? He, it, he has two boys. Both are involved. At this particular point in time, I think, you know, my daughter's passion is teaching and she's all in and she's, she works very, very hard over there at second grade at Hilton. And I'm very proud of her for all of uh, that she's done over there and the, the concern and care that she puts into that job that I think all teachers do that probably isn't recognized as much as it should be, but I see it firsthand. And uh, my son right now, you know, again, for him to go out and get some experience elsewhere and, and make sure that the, this is something he wants to do, it's a little different today to get kind of dropped into a big company, unlike when my brother and I came up kind of being able to build it as you went. And again, as it was for me, it is for him. It's not an expectation. It's not requirement. But at some point, certainly uh, uh, love to see him in here, and, and we'll see what the future brings on that. Right. And, of course, the Corrigan name is on the company, as we all know, as we've been talking about it. I mean, it, it would be wonderful, and you even alluded to it, to have your son join the business. But what about if he were not to choose to do that? Might it be from your brother's side uh, and his children? or? Well, if that's the way that it goes, then it's a lot bigger problem for them. They'll have to figure out how to get rid of me at some time, ah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
But, you know, you're going to want to see the company as you think about beyond you. You want this company to go on, right? Oh, I absolutely do. And I mean, you know, I'm beyond the dollars and cents. Certainly there's a big you know, sense of pride in that one. You know, I look at pictures of trucks my grandfather had with the name Corrigan Ice and Coal back when to Corrigan Oil, the word is today and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I certainly, that means an awful lot to me. And I certainly would love to see that happen. But again, I want that to be his choice. And at the end of the day, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm up at four every morning. I get home about 536 at night. So yeah, definitely. I got a long way to go. I'm not ready to stop anything. Well, I wouldn't expect that you'd want to stop anything. A chip off the old block to be sure, Tim. I mean, your dad worked until the last day of his life and wasn't going to step aside. That's for sure. Nothing was going to keep him from being there, the company he loved. And I see the same in you. When you're passionate about a business, when you feel strongly about it, when the business bears the family name, when you have employees you're responsible to and a team that you take pride in and know works hard right alongside you, just as hard as you and your brother do, I wouldn't expect for you to do anything less than to show up every day and give it all you've got. And speaking of team, you know, I know you want to acknowledge others that are very actively involved and really important in making this company and keeping this company, the success that it's become and the growth that no doubt it'll see in the future. I feel that through my brother's efforts, my efforts, and our, our senior management and all we work with, we've really been able to attract some very high-quality people that work with us each and every day in our business because we can't do it alone. And I, and I just can't tell you and emphasize enough that it's a team effort. And quite frankly, I think we have one of the best teams in the industry for all that we're doing today. A story of a father who returns from serving his country in the Korean War A story of how that man went on to create a corner gas station in a then small community in Michigan. And a story of how the second generation of Corrigan's, specifically Bernie Corrigan's sons, Mike and Tim, have taken over the company started by their father in 1958 and have taken it to even higher heights, all while maintaining their key values of putting the customer first, taking care of their now 800-strong team of employees, and serving the community around them. Sometimes referring to a business as a great American success story gets used too lightly. But today's story on business biography, that of the Corrigan Oil Company, could not be more exemplary as one of America's truly great success stories. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Business Biography on the great voice of the Great Lakes, 760 WJR.